This is the future. And humanity is all but extinct. First they start skipping prescribed drug dosages. Then they begin touching. I volunteer as tribute! You can stop this. You can change things. I know that there's something more. Then we've only got one choice. We fight. Fight the future with Dan and Paul. Welcome to Fight the Future with Dan and Paul, the podcast where we review young adult dystopias. And I'm Dan. I'm Paul. Welcome. So the movie today is The Giver, rather yeah. than the story. The Giver. A um, story about the one person who give, gave a crap. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Uh, this is actually a bit of an oddball. It was sort of grouped together with all these other young adult dystopias that have come out as movies in the last couple of years. But this is actually an older one, right? Well, uh, the Slightly the, older. The book is very is quite old, yeah. Yeah, so um, the book is from when? The book is from uh 1993. Uh-huh. And I actually remember I think we read the book in school or was it was read to us in school or something of that ah. nature. So you have some memory of it from before. Just just very vague, just enough to be like when I was watching the movie, I was sort of thinking, oh, right, this is, I can, I sort of remember how this goes. So it's almost as though there had been some, like, discontinuity and you'd forgotten your memory of reading mm. this book. Oh, my God. You're receiving the knowledge. Yeah, yeah. So unlike movie-based podcasts, we're not interested in the details of the, uh, the show business details, whether it's a good movie or bad movie. We're reviewing the dystopia. Right. So we're going to talk about how plausible it is, how scary it is, and how we would do in this dystopia, and then finish off by talking about is there hope for the future at the end of this movie? Right. And a little bit about what actually happens beyond that in the books and so forth. So, but we'll start off with a plot summary to get us all on the same page. And spoilers beware, this is a heavy spoiler podcast. Yeah, we really don't care. We don't give a fuck. We don't give her. The story. As with a lot of these uh, dystopias, it starts after a unspecified bad thing happened. Uh, yes. Referred to as the ruin. Yes, and we focus on what is called the community, which is on a raised plinth, uh, a city of sorts. Extremely well-planned, lots of Planned circles. Community. Around it is what is known as the boundary, that nobody goes beyond. Everyone right. has had, had their memories erased of what happened before the ruin. And it's not even clear how long they've been in the city, or how long this has been going on for, right? Exactly. But sometimes, some generations, it's been going on for. And there's certain rules by which they... The society runs. It's a very controlled society that is based on what they call real equality. And, and yeah, everything like, uh, yeah, there's, you know, you have to be the, even the language, you have to be really specific about your language. They're really big on that. Yeah. Use precise language is one of the rules. You must always wear white jumpsuits. There's no, no competitions. There's no, you know, no violence, no, Anything. Everything is all uh, extremely well controlled, I guess. Yep. Uh, it's all outlawed. Popularity, fame, there's no winners, no losers. It's all about equality. And everybody takes morning medication, there's curfews. Basically, it's very, uh, very sedated society. And then, so we, we sort of open up on these, uh, a couple of friends who uh, are about to undergo their graduation ceremony where they are assigned to uh, their jobs for the rest of their lives. Uh, again, a fairly common thing <laughs> in these dystopias. Yeah, you get your job handed to you, but at least in this case, uh, they've been observing 
you. So there's a ruling class known as the elders that uh, decide what your job is going to be at graduation at the age of 16. And it's understood that they've been observing you secretly for your entire life. Right. This is a heavily surveillance-based society. There's cameras everywhere. The elders have all the access to, to information about everything from birth, essentially. Jonas, Asher, and Fiona are three teens that we're following as they get their jobs. So they get all their jobs except Jonas is skipped in the job assignment ceremony. And uh, that's because he's assigned a special job of receiver of memories. Yes, and it's because of special qualities of him, uh, which I didn't 100% see, but in any case... It's uh, that he has, like, I don't know, creativity or something. Courage, intelligence, integrity, and the capacity to see beyond. But in any case, it means that every day he has to ride his bike to this giver's hut. The giver is played by Jeff Bridges is the old man who is the only person in this world who remembers the world before. Right. And his, the giver's job is to advise the elders if they feel like they need information from the world before. Exactly. And they, he be, they begin to have sessions where the giver transmits to Jonah visions of the past through a mark on his arm. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's kind of a mind meld thing. Sort of a mole-based transfer technology. Yeah, it's like he has a weird mole on his arm, and they use that to transmit. And the very first image is a a sled, and an exciting sled race down to a hut where there's a or to a house where there's a Christmas carol being sung. And for the first time, the movie becomes in color at this point. So I, we should have mentioned that this movie's in black and white to begin with, which is quite ballsy. Yeah, so that's actually, yeah, it's quite an interesting sort of the way they play with, you know, the color sort of gradually comes back as we follow Jonas, uh, which is kind of a neat idea uh, as he sort of is awakening to this, the memories and stuff. Yeah. He sort of gets little flashes of color and then starts becoming more and more. But then we cut to somebody else's perspective and it's still black and white. Right. So so this is a bold choice. And as he continues to go to visit the giver, he sees more in color and he sees more and more images from the past. He also learns that there was a previous receiver named Rosemary, who was the daughter of the giver, and it turns out committed suicide. Yeah, or was requested to be killed, sort of. Yeah. They they talk about sending people, people go to elsewhere. And he's working at the nurturing center. Um, and, you know, if a, there's a baby that's uh, undersized, uh, or actually, no, it's, a, it's there's twins, and the, you're not allowed, twins are not allowed because it's too weird and freaky to have two people looking the same, I guess. Uh-huh. And so they, uh, whichever one is, whichever one weighs less is sent to elsewhere. And so he sees his father sending this baby to elsewhere without understanding that he's actually killing the baby, which is pretty freaky. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but, um, and this is relevant because there's been a baby living with his family, Gabe, uh, Mm -hmm. that the dad brought home, but it just keeps crying. This baby, baby feels a kinship with because he also has this birthmark that indicates he has the potential to be a receiver in the future. Right. Uh, and he surreptitiously shares some memories with the baby, like of an elephant at one and, point. Right, and uh, and that seems to be something that really sort of uh, gets through to this baby. Yes, yeah. But, the, um, but unfortunately, the baby is undersized still. It's sort of a very, uh, uh, isn't growing fast enough. And so it's going to be taken to, uh, to elsewhere. In the meantime, he's had uh, a vision of a wedding, like a seemingly at a Renaissance fair, <laughs> where people are dancing and drinking mugs of ale. Renaissance fairs are happy places. <laughs> and he, after that, he kisses Fiona, which is something that is unknown in their world. Right. And he also tells her to stop injecting herself with her morning drugs, which he's also stopped. You can use an apple instead. 
which seemed in the morning drugs are some sort of uh, uh, emotional suppressant. Right. It it plays a part in the society of tranquilizing everybody. So with the giver, he develops a plan that he needs to bring back the memory of the community. Mm-hmm. And somehow there's they they find this map that shows sort of the a rough outline of the community uh, and the surrounding area. And there's this dotted line on the map that says the edge of memory. And they and, infer that if he crosses that boundary, everybody will get their memory back. Right, which seems like a pretty late. big jump, but there it but is. It, anyway, uh, so he leaves home in the middle of the night after curfew, something that has never been done. And Fiona helps him to grab Gabe, the baby. Yeah, so he's he's sort of there's the he and the giver have this plan that they're going to do this thing, but then the timeline is pushed up because of Gabe, that he I wants see. to save the baby before he, uh, but you know before the baby gets killed, and so he has to go now. I gotcha. So he's riding his bike out of the community with Gabe, the baby, with him, mm-hmm. uh, and his mom rats him out. Yeah, because mom actually happens to be the head of the security forces, so it's tough, uh-huh. tough job. Uh, so guards are chasing him, and he drives right off the side of this plinth that they're on uh, into the elsewhere. Yeah, and it becomes apparent that the plinth is only like 10 feet up from the ground. <laughs> so, it's the, so people who fall off the edge aren't actually lost forever. They're just kind of like, oh, huh. Just they might sprain something. Yeah, but uh, there's just this fog everywhere that so nobody actually realizes that they're not that they're that close to the <laughs> ground. Yeah. If you do a little roll, you'll be fine. Uh so the chief elder, who's played by Meryl Streep, tells his best friend Asher to go after him with drones. So that right. was what his friend became a drone pilot. And instead of uh killing him, his friend drop just drops him in the river mm-hmm. uh and says that he, he's dead. And then, uh, yeah, and so then he's he continues along. He has this sort of long, epic quest, well, epic odyssey of traveling through this elsewhere, which is sort of largely barren, sort of sand dunes and desert and uh, sort of scrubland and stuff. And then, uh, yeah, and until he finally gets to these big mountains and he travels over these mountains... And then meanwhile, back in the community, Fiona is sort of, they, they start re- watching back over the uh, recorded footage of his interactions with Fiona and figure out, decide that she's sort of irrevocably corrupted by him. Uh, and so she's going to be uh, sent to elsewhere. She's going to be executed by lethal injection. Yeah, which they call ceremony of release to elsewhere by yeah. his dad. But it's like a, I found it interesting that it was actually set up exactly like, you know, a lethal injection now. Like there's the room and then there's like a little viewing gallery and all this kind of stuff. It's pretty With all the elders there. Yeah. And so meanwhile, Jonas is trekking over the snow with the baby and eventually he's right at the end of his rope and he encounters a sled. Yeah. And, And, uh... He looks at his map. He seems to be expecting that there actually would be like some sort of dotted line that he would encounter or something. It's unclear as to what he... Giant dotted line. Yeah. Uh, He's been sort of following this extremely... Like, I don't really even know why he has the map. Like, he literally... It's like a Middle Earth map or something. Yeah. It's like, okay, I'm going towards the triangles on the map. And then, uh, yeah, and so he gets on the sled and he realizes that it's it's the sled from the memory that he had at the beginning. And uh, and so he starts and he starts sledding down this hill, sort of with the last of his energy. Um, and as he goes down this hill, he goes through the uh, the border of memory, which turns out to be an actual like real electronic shield thing. <laughs> <laughs> yep, and it sends a shockwave back that gives back everybody their memory, but we don't even see for a second how that plays out. Right, right. Um, and but not only gives everyone but everything back, co- goes into color. Yeah, it not only gives everyone back their memory, but it gives them like the givers, 
memory. Like it gives them not their memory, but the memory of everything that's happened as if right. they were there, which is pretty crazy. Humanity's memory. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, at the end of the sled ride, there's a house just like the one in his memory. And there are people singing carols inside. And hopefully what you've read about in the books will make that make some kind of sense. Uh, we'll see. Possibly. Plausibility. In this section, we talk about how plausible this world is, how it came about, and how it maintains itself. So, as with other stories, we can't talk about exactly the, the process by which we got there, because we come to this world already well-established. Right. The ruin is all we know that happened. Uh, we've come to this place where there's been this big discontinuity, and the society has been created that is very, very structured, very planned. Right. Uh, in every way, basically to eliminate anything interesting or fun. With the idea that all of that stuff eventually leads to, uh, you know, conflict. Yeah, love leads to murder, I think is one part. Right, or, or they talk about that he's saying that, like, why would we have outlawed sledding? He's like, well, sledding requires snow, and snow means that it'll be cold, which means that the crops won't grow. And Right. Um, there's a line by Meryl Streep where she's like, if a person has a choice, they'll make a mistake every single time. They'll make the wrong choice, yeah. Yeah. So, but I found it quite interesting that the whole idea, the premise of the giver-receiver thing is that you know, they're the ones who are holding the memories for the community. So the elders are in this, you know, they're in this uh, position of authority and enforcing the rules and punishing people, but they don't actually necessarily know why. Right. right? Yeah, the elders, they, they obey the rules without knowing why, which is kind of like everybody. Right. The elders just know that it would be very bad if people didn't follow the rules, but they don't actually know the context of why it would be so bad. Right. So an elder is just an old person in this story, right? They're not, they're not given uh, any special knowledge. Yeah, I guess. I mean, there's specific old people, like, because actual just regular old people get killed. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, everything in this world is very established. Is, uh, like, they've decided on uniforms for everybody. They've decided on architecture. Everything is static. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's the most planned society ever. Maybe we can switch right over into talking about how it maintains itself, because something that was remarkable about it to me was how successful it was. Like, that there really wasn't... We didn't see anything in the way of rebellion besides Jonas. Right, and the giver sort of had a kind of low-level rebellion of being kind of curmudgeonly, when being curmudgeonly was essentially outlawed. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Being being a little bit humorous and grumpy. Right. You know, like he's saying that he he uses his ability to lie mostly for fun. <laughs> yeah. No, he had some good moments of humor, I think. I wanna like my favorite moment of the whole thing, um was like the one funny moment was when he was up at the the bookshelf and he was like, Look, in this book there's a prophecy. It says a boy named Jonas shall come. And Jonas is like, really? And he's like, no, <laughs> I just made that up. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing what you can do when you're allowed to lie and nobody, <laughs> yeah. and nobody really expects it. On the other hand, no one would really get your jokes either. Right, right. He's probably, has. there's a lot of like sarcastic one-liners he does that nobody really gets. <laughs> Very literal. I, But yeah, like in every other dystopia, I think we see little signs of... of of tiny bits of rebellion that are then stomped down. Mm. But in this one, everybody is genuinely with the program. Right. Up in, So, I mean, it's this bizarre situation, though, where they have this extremely well-organized society, and then they have a position, a job, uh, within the society that's essentially guy to mess everything up. Yeah. Like, but, but, like the giver's job necessitates rebellion. Which is an interesting idea. Like yeah. it's, it seems like it's it's uh, you know destined to be a problem. Sure. Well, they put him in a house way out in the middle of nowhere. 
Right, and and make it so he doesn't really talk to anybody. Yeah. And I mean, even if he does talk to anybody, if they aren't sort of predisposed to it, it doesn't really get him anywhere. Yeah, it seems like there's no nobody he could really convince without showing them the stuff from the chip. Like it all comes from this, uh, these visions that he's able to transmit to Jonas. Right, and that seems to be a specific thing with the mole in the arm or whatever that you can't just transfer visions to anybody. Yeah. So I, uh, as far as how it maintains itself, it seems it seems strange to me that there was a security apparatus in this world, including thugs and with motorcycles and jail cells and yeah that's actually yeah i i have on one of my notes is that being a police officer must be an incredibly boring job <laughs> right. yeah we, we never see anybody do the slightest bit of rebellion i mean it's like being late for curfew i guess might be something that go um i think a lot of the credit for maintaining the society has to go to the um drugs yeah yeah this is a heavily drug-based society. So either, you know, either this is so well organized that nobody feels that the urge to rebel, or the drugs are really like suppressing all of their natural human instincts. Right. I mean, people definitely do feel. Um, I mean, they talk about that you the people have feelings but not emotions. Um, Interesting. Like we have, you know, the the group of three. Uh, teens that we um, that we are sort of following throughout the movie I mean they're friends and they like each other and they talk about like that you know Fiona's the one who always could make everyone, people smile and stuff right so there's like there's some you know there's a connection there all emotions aren't suppressed but obviously it's a much less strong version of whatever the emotion is I see, yeah. So you can deal with it with a combination of your chilled-out society and the drugs. Yeah, and, and sort of severe social controls, I guess. Yeah. Like, it's less interesting to me if it really is about the drugs, because then they really aren't relatable human beings. The obvious solution is stop taking the drugs, and everything will will naturally fall apart. Right, and in fact, I mean, when Fiona stops taking the drugs just for one day, yeah, um, her emotions start coming back, and you know, she's they, uh, she and uh, Jonas, she she picks up on the whole kissing thing very quickly. Yeah, you know, Jonas has obviously had you know memories of it and stuff, and so he's got a little bit of context. But for uh, for her, he just kind of tried to eat her face. <laughs> but she seems to pick up right. on the whole thing what are you and, doing? and then and when you you know when it is appropriate to give somebody a desperate last kiss before they are escaping yeah then then she's there for that yeah but yeah she picks up on the kissing pretty quickly i mean it's very euphemistically termed uh couched in terms of love but you know boners come first probably Right. Actually, there's there's a thing, I mean, we'll talk more about the book later, but there's a thing they talk about with the, um, in the book where, I mean, in the book, it's, things are a little bit less high tech, so it's just a pill that you take. Uh, it talks about, like, he meant, they meant, he mentions, like, when he first started taking, like, you start taking the drugs, essentially, like, at puberty. Uh-huh. Um. And like he 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 has basically like he has like a sex dream about Fiona, except he doesn't really ah. understand what that is. Uh, and he tells his parents about it, and they're like, "Oh, that's totally fine. You know, everybody has that. That just means they it's time to start taking the drugs." <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, see, that's better. That's clever. You make a great point about it being a society that that they do have this chaos maker gesture type figure in the form of Jeff Bridges. Yeah, like it would have been nice to see Jeff Bridges actually do his job. Like have a situation that the elders actually call on his advice for. Yeah, that's true. Like what what situation could there be, in fact? Um, there must be some things that happen. Aside from, I guess like a threat from outside, perhaps? But it is the kind of society that is not interesting at all to watch, except so far as somebody rebels against it. Right. In fact, it's sort of set up to be deliberately uninteresting. Right. So horrifying, I guess. But there's no stories that take place in this world. 
There's only the story of how it ends. Right. There's no external threat either. That's another thing. Right, yeah. Uh, Normally there would be some sort of thing. They seem to be the only people in the world, although the the house kind of contradicts that. Right, right. But then there's... uh, So that makes a good point about the language. Part of the the way that society uh, is controlled is through the language. This idea of precision of language. Right. He he says... uh, what is it? He says, I'm terrified about graduation day. And she says, precision of language, uh, I'm anxious. Something yeah. like that. Which is not really precision. It's just use sort of use the words that we have sort of decreed. Right, which is great. Words. Like, I like that part of it. It shows <laughs> that they only want you to have certain types of thoughts. Right, very 1984. So yeah, remove a, a word from your vocabulary and you it's harder to have the thought, like 1984. Exactly. And I mean, they they actually uh, talk about that when when the girl is when you know when they're when she's sort of falling in love with him, but doesn't understand. She's like, I feel something, but I don't have the words to say it. Right. He says, "That's you know, that's love." I hope, not just <laughs> you know, gas. Right. I mean, there there's a few things that I noticed. Like, well, I mean, the whole the whole idea that there's no color is kind of interesting right that they've they've gone so far as to feel that colors make people whatever feel bad or different too exciting Um, and there don't seem to be actually like every i think like everyone's white basically yeah i didn't see any people of color so that's part of it um except when jonas starts actually seeing color uh everyone is actually wearing color-coded uniforms oh really I missed that. But they can't actually see them. <laughs> like, certain people are wearing, like, all brown uniforms, and certain people are wearing black uniforms, or, and, like, the, uh, you know, the the nurse-type people are wearing uh, sort of blue and white uniforms and all this stuff. So, I don't know, maybe maybe that was one of the things that the giver did, or, you know, that one of his jobs is to do all the designing, <laughs> all the color selection. <laughs> he gets to decide what color everything is. Everyone's like, it's like, all right, this will be... Uh, you know, this red uniform, uh, that will be for these people. And, you know, this green uniform will be for these people. Everyone's like, those are the same color. It's like, no, no, they're different colors. Trust the king me. will be hot pink, we've decided. <laughs> yeah, it'd be great. He, like, makes everybody, you know, spotted or something. Nobody knows. Yeah, it's like competition with himself to see how badly he can make things clash. Right, right. Just for but his own amusement. uniform color, Yeah. <laughs> scariness let's talk about scariness how scary is this dystopia i mean there's a very there's a sort of deep uh sort of i guess kind of almost low level uneasiness that you get you know just especially from sort of our perspective we almost innately know that 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 kind of deadening of all the sort of emotions and stuff is wrong or is not something that should be done but it's a little hard to explain why in some yeah when sometimes. we see people acting like that it's quite disturbing very very sedated yeah very like when the family which isn't even a real family it's just a bunch of people who've been put together in the same house right uh, they are when they eat dinner together it's very well, it's kind of like a like a super wasp, you could say. <laughs> like, two well, they, et- they have emotion sharing time. <laughs> yeah. So all that stuff strikes you as very sinister to watch. Yeah, but it's one of those. It's a weird thing though, because it's like sinister, but not in any. Like in a lot of ways, you you go like, huh, that actually does seem to be working pretty well for them. Yeah. Well, okay. What I have written down is that... Uh, like, if it uh, wasn't for the giver messing everything up... It's not that scary, unless you're scared of boredom, mm. which is something to be scared of. I have a list of all of the activities that are available to you, okay? that All the recreational activities we see someone perform in this movie. Bike riding. Everyone's issued a bike yep. when they turn adolescence. Going through these weird outdoor showers... Yeah, uh, triangular things. Yeah. Throwing a gold ball to each other in a 
very unorganized game of catch. Uh, and moving white blocks, which I saw in the background of one scene. A couple <laughs> of people involved in these big white rectangles, moving them from one place to another. Nice. So if you can find your bliss in one of those four activities, you'll do okay there. And if you can't, it's okay because drugs. Right. Like, what do people do with their evenings? Like, after emotion sharing time? Uh, yeah. Sit quietly in their room. Yeah. He has a kind of R Town thing where he can see into his girlfriend's window. Through his window. Right. But yeah, yeah, sit quietly. There's no religious text, there's no religion at all. There's nothing to read or watch. It does seem like there would be a lot of sort of downtime for people to get up to no good. <laughs> yeah. But they don't. No. Uh, the most... Yeah, once he starts taking the, the memories, he invents something that has never been done before where they ride on a tray down this gigantic arcing thing, which actually looks super fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and there's... Yeah. Invents fun, essentially. And, like, dancing and singing. Does he dance at one point? Yeah, he dances with his little sister. Right, right. And and sort of tries to kind of sing. So, not like, they don't even have... Yeah, they don't have even that kind of, you know... You would think that there could be some sort of positiveness to bringing the community together in terms of, you know, singing and stuff, but no, no. Right. No, they don't have any of that stuff of, of the shared ritual or mythology. Well, they have, a, they have a few of those rituals when they all get together for graduation, but there doesn't seem to be much between them. No. So basically strip away every cultural thing, everything that makes humans humans in the name of order. Right. And yeah, what was also scary to me was just the look of it ultra anal retentive look of it really looked like a like a brand new university campus area mm -hmm. or, or or like, like a, the the promotional video for a new right university campus <laughs> right where they show the the virtual reality people walking around yeah and there's like there's no um like there's no animals at all either no they they've forgotten about animals they call a elephant a hippopotamus and in fact like uh he's doesn't know what a bee is so there's not even like insects. Wow, yeah, that's that's incredible. And like the the guy who's they show at one point a um uh the like groundskeeper's guy is like inserting branches into a tree. Like there's <laughs> sockets in the tree that they, they insert the branches into. Okay. <laughs> so everything appears to be sort of artificial. Yeah, so clearly there's a kind of horror of this artificiality. It was also a very surveillance-based society, which I find scary. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you can always, it's always the bad sign. That's like one of those touchstones for dystopias is that, you know, the calm voice making random announcements. Right. From the, the loudspeaker from the that happened to be related to what's going on right now, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah. People are reminded that taking trays and using them as sleds is prohibited. So, yeah, I do like that they, they have got like their special little, uh, they've got their thing like through the waterfall inside the little triangle um, where they like, that's like their special place for the three of them, but is also completely under surveillance. Completely under you find, surveillance. You find right. out later on. <clears throat> Which is, you know, it's very relevant to our, to today um, because this is the reality that all of our electronic lives are recorded and monitored and often by parents and school staff and so on. So people who are 16 now do have to deal with that level of surveillance to some degree. Mm -hmm. That's a little scary, I guess. They don't have. They don't seem to have like a lot of real time surveillance, though. Yeah. Well, that ties in with the fact of that they're not quite up on their security because nobody actually breaks the rules at this point. Maybe it took them a while to get to this point, but. Which so I was thinking it would be very funny if they had, uh, if they if this played out in the chase sequence as well that the bikes were only capable of going like twenty five miles per hour. <laughs> right, right. 
or 15 miles per hour, and that this the chase played out that way, you know, just as much dramatic music and everything, but, but like just he was slow. on a Segway. Yeah, yeah. How would they do? So I guess the question is, like, who would you feel like you could be do a good job as in this community? I guess the, I mean, I would certainly feel like I would get really bored, whatever my job is. <laughs> I mean, we've sort of covered that already. Uh, I mean, maybe I would be all drugged up, so I wouldn't really notice, but. Yeah, I mean, it's impossible to imagine yourself as a person of this community because you have to imagine yourself as someone who doesn't feel anything or doesn't want touch or color or anything like that. Like, for one thing, I hum to myself all the time. So, and that's totally right out. Nobody likes humming. Nobody hums or even like does little like, you know, drumming on the table or anything. Yeah. No music at all. So I would be uh, in deep trouble that way. Although on the other hand, maybe I wouldn't have learned any songs. So who knows? Yeah. It's almost impossible to imagine. Like there's a part of you that is like a little bit attracted to this. It, it is a life without any kind of worries or strife supposedly without having to know about horrible things that humans do to each other all around the world mm-hmm. you just have to do fulfill your role is, is the only thing and when we're very stressed out it, that kind of thing can be sort of tempting yeah certainly I, I mean certainly if I was transported into this community now uh, I feel like it would be you know for, for like maybe a couple of weeks you could kind of get into it uh, and then it would start being like, ugh. <laughs> I'll bet the food is not very flavorful. No, probably not. It looks kind of good. It's like a little bit like a bento box or something you get every day. Or like an airplane food, actually, more like it. Yeah, yeah. You get probably. all your different units of nutrition. But uh, Yeah, but you wouldn't be able to talk to anybody, really? Yeah. About anything? I feel like I would I would run into problems just by, you know, asking some innocuous question and then suddenly that would set off a huge chain of event. Like a lot of these, it's a big, uh, it's a recurring thing in these dystopias that, you know, the whole thing tends to fall down when one person asks one question. <laughs> Be like, right. why, why are we doing this? Everybody <laughs> sort of goes, whoa, hey, whoa, huh, what? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, you're supposed to identify with Jonas. He always felt a little different from the others. Right. He sees a little more than the rest, which is a kind of dopey thing. And he doesn't, you know, everyone else has a pretty good idea of what their sort of job is going to be when they're assigned, and he doesn't know. Right. So we're supposed to relate to that, I guess, that we're aimless. I mean, what if you were the... But special? You know, the receiver of memories thing. Like, that would be, I mean, that would be pretty pretty cool, eh? You get to, uh, you would get all this sort of new information suddenly. Yeah, yeah. It's really like, I mean, what it's, what that part is about kind of, it's, it's like being introduced to art for the first time, being introduced to some new aspect of culture that really like grabs you and makes you come alive. It's a metaphor for that. Right, right. Uh, and how a mentor can kind of bring that stuff to you. I feel like in the in this world, the memories have more impact, I guess. Oh, yeah. Than they would like, otherwise. It's very intense. They're emotional. They're vivid. It's like so... It must hit him so hard. And I almost would have liked to see more angst as far as how he's changed by this. There's one very good part where it's flashback to like the Vietnam war or something. Mm. And he has a moment of like, I don't want to do this anymore. I can't, this is too much, this pain. Right. Right. Of war. I thought I was thinking about that. I was, I was, I was it's like, cause we, it's not clear, you know, where these memories came from originally. Right. Like right. are these all the memories of all of humanity? But, like, what if that was actually just the memory of somebody watching, you know, a Vietnam War movie? 
like platoon. Yeah. Well, because because the, the later on he you know he does the thing where he's like, I'm gonna give you memories of like courage of people doing cool things. Right. And so you see actual movie footage of Tiananmen Square. Yeah, I I, I marked that <laughs> especially. So he's not seeing the point of view of the guy who is standing there in front of the tanks. He's seen the point of view of somebody who is watching that guy on watching TV. it on TV. <laughs> well, it's true. I mean, it's not that really is a big a... courageous memory. <laughs> but that is something we all have as part of our memory. Like it made me think about our collective memory mm. that we have, and we we have a lot of like really horrific things about the human race in our brains. Right. Yeah. We've really seen. It was too bad that the clips that he was shown uh, really looked like it looked like one of those commercials for like a weird multinational corporation like yeah uh, they were a little bit here too, we are in china and there's a festival going on yeah they were a little bit too heavy on the uh exciting cultural activities and now here's a baby with a flower and yeah yeah, yeah. or i was thinking there's like the youtube you know 24 hours around the world or whatever right like we've seen so many commercials that look like this it's too bad that they couldn't have risen a little higher up like like their version of what it means to be human is a very like committee based version. Does he get like I wonder if he got Jeff Daniels memories too? Jeff Bridges? Or Jeff Bridges, not Jeff Daniels. Like the well, time maybe, that I was presumably Jeff Daniels memories would have been in there somewhere too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Considering it's every human Earth. being. Yeah. It's easy he is in there too, somewhere. Hope for the future. Right, so we, we end the story. He's the ending of the movie anyway is a very it's like the ending of Tron or like the ending of I don't know, Wizard of Oz. Maybe not Wizard of Oz, but something where something is triggered or the Phantom Menace and a wave of goodness sweeps across the world. Right. Restoring everything. Uh so it's it's an instantaneous solution to everybody's problems. Although, of course, you know, there's no roadmap for what society will look like when everybody suddenly has all their memories and all of their feelings. You made a good point that it's not just their own memories, but they seem to get something of what the giver has, which is like a, a big storehouse of, of all human memories, which we don't have. Right. So that's a very interesting... Or whether that's like they're just sort of getting the collective memory like we have or whether they are actually as if they're experiencing those things, yeah. which is crazy. Like, yeah, yeah that feel, would be I like the like ultimate drug, drug trip for like a week. Yeah, I feel like there's a little bit of that, this sort of, uh, you know, thing that ha happens where it's, it's like there's no way that the entire, the entire community doesn't completely collapse. Like, there's going to be riots. Yeah, no. Instantaneously, <laughs> everything will fall apart right away. Yeah. Like, if they had, if people had kind of gotten the chance to get used to it, it might be a little different. But, you know, the, like, Jonas was incredibly shocked and shaken by one vision, you know, of during the Vietnam War after he had already been doing it for a little bit. People are getting all the visions of all the bad things and all the good things at once who have never had any experience with color before. Right. Like, there's no way that, I mean, a lot of people's brains are just going to explode. <laughs> yeah. All, and yeah, all the pain and all the, and of the two receivers we know of, one of the two has committed suicide. So it's an intense experience as a result of receiving these visions. Mm -hmm. So it, it, the movie frames it as the, the solution to every problem, but it really is not. So I got to ask, does the book end like that? Does the book end with a big wave of remembering? So there was a, it was actually quite public, I guess, um, that there were, that the book and the movie, like there, there was a, a fair amount of controversy, I guess, at the time in that the, the book has a, a much more, I guess, ambiguous ending. Like the book ends with him, he, he gets the, he's on the sled and everything, but there's a lot of implication that maybe he's just like dying of hypothermia and seeing these, this vision that was like the first thing that the giver 
showed to him uh, as opposed to it actually happening for real. Is there anything about the boundary of memory that just crossing an invisible line will magically trigger everything? I... <laughs> I, I was actually looking at this, and for some reason, people didn't seem to... There, there did seem to be a thing where if he left the community, uh, then everyone would get the memories. Okay. That was known. Um, whether, But I think whether he was successful or not is... And, like, you never cut back to the community once he leaves the community. That's interesting. In the book. It, and so, By the way, as yeah. far as hope for the future, that is the toughest baby ever. Yeah. So there's there's more books to the series. Yeah, so there's it's a theoretically it's a quartet um with the latest one having come out just in 2012. Um and but it's it's not very like it's quite loosely connected together the the four books. Um and they are they are uh they take place in the same world and some of the characters sort of overlap but they aren't sort of direct sequels to each other or anything. So did they all take place before this event happens? Before? Uh, nope, they all take place... They, they do take place in roughly chronological order, I guess. So the second book is called Gathering Blue, and it actually doesn't have any relationship with the characters in The Giver at all. Um, it's about this sort of other community that has its own weirdness to it. Oh, okay, um, so like a different take on that. Yeah, it's a much more, um, uh, I guess, uh, less sort of high-tech. Like, it's much more sort of old-fashioned type community, I guess. Um, and then the third book, which is called The Messenger, um, sort of ties things back together a little bit. Some of the people from the second book uh, end up hooking out, or uh, uh, end up in this place called The Village, but not, okay. you know, the bad village. <laughs> yeah, with not it. with Patrick McGowan and so on. Yeah, uh, and the uh, the village is uh, is ruled by a person called the leader, uh, uh-huh. who is Jonas, apparently. Okay. So he sort of established this community. Less uh, dystopian. Yeah, which is um quite supposed to be quite peaceful and then like a guy comes and starts messing around messing with things getting people to trade trade their good qualities like honor and courage and stuff for uh you know things that they want it's kind of a weird weird sort of devil's bargain thing this is all very metaphorical these are like different circles of hell and dante <laughs> what's a better example uh, these are all, or like Gulliver, where you see different communities that all have different setups. I guess so. Like Gulliver, Gulliver's Travels. Yeah. Um, and like, that sort of bummed me out at the end of uh, The Giver, the movie, was that this is no longer science fiction. This is now a metaphor with a capital M. Right, right. The The fourth book, The Sun, which is kind of interesting, um, is actually takes, it does actually tie directly into Giver because it, it takes place during giver and then afterwards as well but it follows um the woman who was uh gabe's mother the, so the baby's mother uh-huh um and basically that that she sort of ends up kind of stalking gabe because uh you know she has a sort of maternal instinct towards him but doesn't quite understand it I wonder if it gets into actually what does happen after the after Jonas takes his action to the community. Yeah, I I don't feel like it that that is actually gone into too much, which is unfortunate. Yeah. You know what else this movie reminded me of was uh Equilibrium. Did you ever see that? Yes. Um, with Christian Bale and it had the same thing of people being drugged up on emotion killers. Right, right. And somehow also managed to fit in an entire ridiculous science fiction action movie, a la Resident Evil. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with the same, and it's a little smarter too, in that there's a police that is constantly having to suppress people who are constantly trying to have culture. They have to destroy it. What's past there? What's past the outer edge, boundary of memory? 
A mystery. Boundary of memory. Is that what they built so the memories would only stay within you and me? Let's move on. Wait. That boundary's meant to keep memories in. So if a receiver crosses it, does that mean the memories get set free? Perhaps. Perhaps if you or I crossed it, everyone could feel those memories again. So what am I seeing today? Nothing. You're seeing nothing today. All right. Well, that just about wraps it up for The Giver. Yeah, thanks for listening. And uh, next time we have uh, City of Ember. A reminder that this podcast um, and everything on Loading Ready Run is supported by our Patreon, which is at patreon.com slash loadingreadyrun. Our theme song is by Bradley Rains, and the interstitial segments are by Kiara Kant. And if you enjoy this podcast... We would really appreciate it if you could subscribe, rate, and review it on iTunes. Or you can also give us feedback on our forums at loadingreadyrun.com slash forum. And until next time, may the odds be always with you. The odds be ever in your favor, I believe, is the technical. Fuck. <laughs> All right, we'll work on that. We still need a sign-off. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Ci vediamo. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs>